Hello, 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 everybody. This is the Boston Red Sox Unfiltered Podcast. Actually, just Red Sox Unfiltered Podcast. Uh, this is our fifth episode, which is super exciting. I'm your host, Patrick Green. Um, I'm joined, joined, as always, by Jordan Decoe. Um, you want to say hi to you? everyone? Good, good. Um, you know, great to see a Red Sox win, and the bullpen wasn't, you know, terrible today, so hey, I mean, I'm, I'm happy about that. Yeah, when the bullpen's not terrible, yeah. it, it's always, this. in this series, they've been pretty good. I mean, they had the walk-off yeah. dinger in the Friday game, but other than that, they've they've looked pretty good, which is which is very commendable, considering this group's struggles early on, so shout out to the Red Sox yeah. bullpen. Yeah, I mean, once they put Hector Velasquez in, I was like, okay, this is where this is where things get dicey. Yeah. And when he gave up that one run, which you know was charged to charged to Tom, I was like, okay, well, this is where uh, this is where it gets bad. Uh, yeah, and then he induced that uh, ending ground ball double play, which was perfect because Hector Velasquez <laughs> is the guy. If you need a ground ball, you're calling Hector Velasquez, and he he did as promised, as advertised. He got the ground ball, got him out oh, of the inning. Yeah. Big, big day for the bullpen. Um, But we are actually missing someone today. We will not be with our boy Dave, who is a regular on this podcast. He is, I don't know where he is, but he is not here. And we hope he's doing well, and we're going to miss him. But he's going to be here in spirit, and we're going to have a great show. Yeah, yeah, we definitely are. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's in our hearts, and we wonder where he is. (laughs) Maybe it's his mom. You never know. You never know. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably like a good reason why he's not here. But you know what? Yeah, you can't count. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna have a lot of fun topics for you guys to talk about today. Or so we're gonna break down the Red Sox Toronto series, which ended up being a uh, win for the Red Sox. They picked up two of three. So we're gonna go this like chronologically. We're gonna go Friday, then Saturday, then Sunday. It's a new thing that I decided to do. It seems like it's organized. So you know what? I went with it. Um, so we're gonna start with Friday. The Red Sox lost five to three, and it was a heartbreaker. It was not a good tone setter after having lo- having lost two of three to the New York Yankees, um, and it was like the, Luke Maley. Is that is that how I do you know if that's how you say his last name? Do you, I'm, I'm gonna go with that because the way I pronounce it is male, and that doesn't sound right either. Ma- you know, actually, <laughs> it might be male. It might be male. I'm really bad with pronunciation. If people have been listening and have heard me butcher people's names, it's just like a deficiency with me. Like, there's nothing that can be done. Like, trust me, I work on it. It's just, it's just, it's just hard for right. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, yeah, I've been messing up Jordan I'm, and Dave's last names for like two or three weeks now. So, yeah, we're improving. I know. I did it. I do the same thing with Jeff Smarja, and I like it's just like it's all consonants, and I don't I don't understand it. So <laughs> I'm, I'm the same way. Yeah. Yeah, that, that one's a bit extreme. I get I get that I get that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it happens, but he uh, he hit two home runs in that game, and they were actually the first two home runs of his career. He had four of the five RBIs for the Toronto Blue Jays. So essentially, the Red Sox got beat by a backup catcher. Um, but on the other side of the things, Chris Sale was lights out. He went nine innings, which usually would be a complete game. Uh, three earned run ball, 15 Ks, Jordan. 15 Ks and one walk. What did you think of his performance? You know what? I um, I didn't watch all of that game, but the 15 Ks, that's, uh, that's really disappointing that they didn't win. I mean, what, he went... Like complete nine innings. Um, it's just it's it was that made me feel that made me remind me of um, 
Erod start. He didn't go nine innings, but he got a lot I mean, of he, got, he, uh, he he put up eight Ks, and they still couldn't get the win. So it's just a really disappointing. Um, it's like it's a really strong start from Sale, but it's just it's kind of disappointing that they couldn't pull it out. Definitely, so, definitely, yeah, yeah, and especially yeah. if you're like one of those people who likes the wins and losses for baseball pitchers, which I'm not a huge fan of, but a lot of people still look at it. A lot of pitchers look at it. Um, it sucks that Chris Sale didn't get the win because that is the definition of deserving a win. Uh, and yeah, when you said so you, you illuminated Eduardo Rodriguez, I feel like Eduardo Rodriguez gets like eight, nine strikeouts regardless of how many runs he allows. So, you know, he's got okay. good peripherals. So good for Erod. Um, also in that game, Brian Johnson surrendered a walk-off dinger, and we will be talking about him uh, in, in in pretty pretty detailed uh, commentary coming up. But yeah, that was that was tough. Uh, it was Luke Mail Maley whatever. He hit the home run, extra innings. Red Sox lose. Matt Barnes also did not look good. Uh, it was it was not a good start to the series. But you know what? It's not about how you start. It's about how you finish. Because on Saturday, the Red Sox tied it up with a 5-2 to two win. Hanley Ramirez goes deep. What is that, like three in the past two series? I think he had two in New York, right? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so Hanley's getting hot. He's getting really hot. He hadn't had a home run before these two series since April 14th. So May, early May, mid-May. What is it? Is it like May 13th, right? Mid-May. I think so. Like, when does, like, the middle of May start? That's what I want to know. Yeah, like, People say early May, mid-May, late May. Like, okay. (laughs) It's all relative to me. Yeah, it's very arbitrary. (laughs) Like, I would think maybe we go, like, 1 to 10 is early May. 11 to 20 is, uh, 11 to 20 is mid-May. And then, you know, the rest is late May. I don't know. Does that, does that sound good to you? I'm going to go with that. Okay. All right, sweet, sweet, sweet. So next time we reference late, early, or mid of a month, those are the parameters. You can go back into the archives and find this conversation. There we go. I like it. Uh, Andrew Benintendi, he also had a big day uh, on Saturday. Uh, He had two RBIs, a ground rule double, and a single. Just wanted to shout him out, give some Benny Biceps love. Um, But the big storyline was David Price's big return from the Fortnite injury. Just kidding, everybody. The carpal tunnel, um, his diagnosis with carpal tunnel. He went five and a third innings, allowed two runs, struck out six batters, walked three, and ended the night with 93 pitches. Uh, Jordan, what did you see from David Price? I mean, it's just another performance where, I mean, there's a lot of, I guess, controversy with David Price. Um, given like his command and now this injury, but I think he's kind of reassured me and and hopefully uh, most Red Sox fans that you now when he when you need to start from him, he, like he'll uh, he'll put up big numbers and he'll, he'll he'll put the Red Sox in the win column. Yeah, like he's a great pitcher. He I is like a, him. He is. He is definitely. Yeah. Uh, it's been a little. It's not as been as fruitful of experience for Red Sox fans as as they would have liked the. 200 plus million contract of prices to be but uh, i have some statistics that's a stat blast oh wait no that's like i think i that's like trademark from another podcast i listened to so i'm not going to call it a stat blast i think it's like effectively wild i was just about to steal that and then i realized like uh oh that's not a good thing so let's just say it's a bunch of stats i got for you um so 
Price threw the lowest percentage of fastballs, and I think it was just his four seam, in the in any game this season at 37.6% in the contest, and he threw the highest percentage of curveballs, 10.8%. I think like the highest he got was like seven in other starts, so that was different. I think it's worth noting that he was like trying to get away from his fastball more. Maybe it hasn't been as effective for him in the early going, and he's trying to rely on some other stuff, or maybe he's trying to lessen the impact on his uh, throwing arm. I actually don't know. I'll have to look into that. Maybe, maybe I'll write an article on it. Maybe stay tuned for that. We'll see about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, he walked quite a few people. Uh, he did allow three walks. I mean, it's not like a ton, but still. Um, he induced a lot of soft contact, 35.7%, which is a lot um, uh, in that game. And then not a lot of hard contact, 28.6%. So like the thing was his peripherals didn't look amazing. Like a strikeout to walk six to three is not like, oh my God, outstanding. But at the same time, like the quality of contact that was being hit off of him was not very strong at all. It was pretty weak. So when they put it in play, it was pretty weak. He did leave 90.9 uh, runners left on base, which is unsustainable, but, you know, he did a good job. Um, any further yeah. comments, Jordan, on David Price's outing? Um, I mean, I think it was really, I mean, I, uh, I think it's, I don't, I'm not surprising anybody that, that, that his performance Saturday was super important given his, um, for sure, his Fortnite carpal tunnel escapade. Um, and, you know, it was, it was, I mean, yes, he, he might've, he might've walked, um, you know, a lot of batters at the same time when, like, I, I think he get, he won a solid outing. He, you know, he won a solid five innings and he did what he needed to do to, um, to hush any doubters. Yeah, he did. The, the, the uh, haters were silenced. It, oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm sticking by our friend, uh, David here. Listen. Yeah. He loves David Price. Yeah. He loves David Price, and David Price is a good pitcher when he's healthy and he's ready to go. So I'm excited to see what Price has. I will say, though, that Price's command hasn't been where it's been, like even in this start in terms of walks. Like in the past, he's been like a guy who's like limit, like his walks per nine per season were like under two, and now it's like hovering like three plus, and it's just like uh, that gives me a little pause for concern because Price is like traditionally think Price is going to blow by batters, strike him out, and then he's going to like, you know, stay in the strike zone and get people to whiff on pitches outside the strike zone, but he's not been as adept at doing that, and his peripherals are a little concerning. I mean, they speak volumes to a good pitcher, but they don't speak volumes to an excellent pitcher, which is what David Price right. you know, should, should be. Right. Yeah, g given his contract, that's what he should be, so we'll see about that. But now let's transition into Sunday's 5-3 to three victory uh, for the Red Sox, which was the ultimate uh, rubber match decider, and that said that the Red Sox Sox win the series against the Toronto Blue Jays. I was hyped about it. I'm sure Jordan was hyped about it. Um, one thing I wanted to note, I, don't, I think you watched this game. I think, um, did you see the defensive play of Brock Holt? Um, it, was, it was phenomenal. Oh my God, in the first inning? Yeah, first inning. There was another one in like, yeah. I don't even know, second, third, but man, he is... He is a considerable upgrade over Eduardo Nunez. And, like, since he's been back, I think he played two of three games in this series. It's like whenever Holt's in there and not Nunez, I'm like, wow, this is what a major league second baseman looks like in the field. Right, exactly. I mean, I mean the way that Pomeranz was throwing, his, his stuff wasn't that great in the sense that he walked five batters. Definitely. But, like, if... If Holt doesn't make that play, it's uh, it's one nothing Blue Jays, and you know the game could have taken a whole 
whole different, um, I guess, turn. I'm trying to find another word. Uh, <laughs> it, it could be That's a whole suffice. different story. Um, uh, with this game today. Yeah, like e- even Mookie Betts is. Did you see his play in right field? Holy crap. That was. Oh, I mean, what what can't we say with Mookie Betts? I mean, I think, like, with his, with his play in um, that play in right field and then his, his stolen base, he, had, he went like two for four or two for five. I mean, I, I've, been, I've been really holding on to the statement that Mookie Betts is going to be an MVP by the end of the season. But the way he's playing at this point, which is like any like leading all like offensive categories right now, I I mean I I can see it like good job on Cora for putting him in the in the top of the lineup. Oh, definitely. And the thing about Mookie Betts, like he was a quasi MVP candidate last year, not really, but he was like a defensive whiz. I mean, we know Mookie Betts is so good defensively and even on the base paths. But the thing was, his offense scuffled a little bit. I think all Red Sox fans know it. But now, like, he's like the best offensive player in the world. So it's like this guy has everything except for the fact that Mike Trout exists. So that'll be a nice AL MVP battle all year, right? Oh yeah, I mean it's not. I mean I, I'm, it's gonna. I mean with Trout in the uh, in the league, it's always it's gonna be coming down to the wire. Yeah. I mean I I think I remember, I forget what what Trout injury like he had in the middle of the season, but he honestly like probably could have won an, like an MVP just on like him returning to the lineup after he got injured. Oh, definitely. And that guy's like. <laughs> That guy's a monster. Yeah, he got like a couple first place votes. Like I think he actually got a handful because like when he came back, he was electric. I mean, Altuve and Judge had great seasons in their own right, but like Mike Trout's like quietly getting seven wins in like what like a, a fraction of the game. So it's like, gosh, Trout, you are you are pretty. Incredible. Could you imagine Trout and Betts on the same team? Like, what would that world be like? Oh my god, it would. Oh, it would be. Uh, it'd be great, honestly. Like I would. Like, I wouldn't have to worry about anything. Yeah. Well, that's not true, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think uh, Trout... Yeah, I mean, it would be perfect. It would be perfect. I think Trout's a free agent <laughs> 2021, 2022, 2020, sometime. I don't think it's in the near future, but in the distant future. I'm not starting rumors, because this is definitely almost, like, assuredly not going to happen, but... Yeah, if Trout if Trout and Betts wanted to play on the Red Sox, like I would like start a GoFundMe page and like I would get uh, the extra dollars for the Red Sox. I'd raise it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, but, uh, we would have to start a whole campaign. Speaking of campaigns, we should. We would definitely have to start a campaign, and I'm down for it. I think that would be like a good thing. Like we can change Red Sox unfiltered into just like a campaign to get Trout and Betts on the same team. I think that I think that would be a fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that would be fun. <laughs> Um, yeah, but getting back to Sunday's win, Pomeranz, as you alluded to, had a pretty rough outing. Four innings pitched, three earned runs. Quality of contact was pretty uh, hard against him. If it were not for some pretty slick uh, defensive plays across the field, uh, it might have been a lot worse. Uh, six strikeouts, mm-hmm. which is not bad, um, but five walks. That is not a good K-to-walk ratio. That's not going to cut it. That is not steak sauce. He allowed five hits. But you know what? It was okay because guess what? The bullpen, phenomenal cleanup job. Hector Velasquez, as we said, came up with that sneaky little ground ball up the middle to end the inning, end the threat. Uh, Matt Barnes came in, and he had like a luckiest play at the plate with Solarte and Christian Vasquez, and the relay throw was just 
on point, but still, you know, he got the out. I don't care how he did it. Red Sox won. And uh, Heath Hembry. You know Heath Hembry? You, you, know, you, know, you know who that is, oh, Jordan? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. He pitched an inning? Yeah, I know that guy. Yeah. Two really? strikeouts without allowing a run. That is good. That is good for Heath. Good for Heath is right, yeah. Yeah, because we, we have been pretty critical about him um, on this yeah, podcast. Yeah, I, we I think we said some bad things about him last podcast. We did. So. We did, we did, we did shit on him a little bit. So apologize. We we apologize, basically. As long as you keep that up, like if you start giving up more runs, maybe we'll be different. But you know, he he did well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're very reactive here. <laughs> what have you done for me lately? We're all in Tulsa, but right now, like I'm okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're okay with what you just did. <laughs> we won the game. Uh, and then Jim Buchanan, Joe Kelly, closing out the game, gets the save. It was it was perfect. It was harmonious. They didn't have to use Craig Kimbrell this game. Uh, he pitched in the last couple of games, so nice to get him some rest. And it was, I think, like the bullpen is thrown. I, I think this was a Nesson broadcast stat. Could be wrong, but I, the bullpen has thrown like the last eight and two-thirds innings of no-run ball. That's good. Good for them. They're doing well. I mean, that, that's that's a bullpen that we need. Definitely. That, that is exactly what we need out of our bullpen. And yeah, considering the struggles of the bullpen, that's that's pretty good. But um, segueing into a guy who's within that bullpen, who's been an integral part of that bullpen, can we, can we talk about Carson Smith for a second? Is that okay oh, with you? absolutely. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Carson Smith, as you know, was traded in the Wade Miley trade in like 2015, didn't pitch 2016, barely pitched 2017, and then 2018 was the resurgence. Carson Smith was lights out 2015, 2014. He was incredible, and the Red Sox knew he was, and then he got hurt, and it was like, oh, crap. This is like, I mean, like retroactively thinking about it, it's like, wow, Tyler Thornburg, part two. But um, he had... An insane, oh, this year, I mean, he struggled early in the year. Like, against the Rays, the Rays just, like, lit him up at the two appearances that they played in the early going. Um, and everyone was like, oh, Carson Smith sucks. What's going on? And it's like, you know, hold on a second. We know how talented this guy is. And since that point, this guy has been incredible. The last time he surrendered a run was April 26th against the Blue Jays. It's May 13th. Is that what we established earlier, right? It's May 13th. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. May May thirteenth. There May, we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, just, yeah. I had to check on my laptop. That's okay. <laughs> my laptop doesn't give me the date, which is kind of weird. I would actually have to Google what is the day. It's kind of sad. <laughs> I could have looked at my phone too. I don't know. I, I had the resources, but thank you for doing that. Um, <laughs> and then he has not allowed. He has allowed only one earned run since April fifth. Since April fifth, this man has allowed one earned run. He has a 338 ERA, a 277 FIP, a 290 XFIP. People might not know what that is, but it exists, and that's good. And he's got a .3 F4. His strikeouts per nine is 12.15, which is insane in the 13.1 innings he has thrown. And the thing is, it's not like he's getting lucky. The batting average on balls and plays against him is 343. That should regress a little bit. So Carson Smith should be better than he has been right now, and he's been pretty incredible. Like, this bullpen of Carson Smith, Joe Kelly, Craig Kimbrell, like, people say we might need to add someone in the bullpen. I'm like, look at that. 
it's pretty good. I know you have some like fringe guys in Matt Barnes, Heath Embry, and Brian Johnson, but Tyler Thornburg is coming back. Bobby Pointer has shown some great Bobby Pointer poise. So I, I think there are options internally. I don't even know if you have to do that, but that's a different tangent. Slider fastball looks stellar. Uh, Jordan, what have you seen from Carson Smith that you want to comment on? And I mean, I I just think it's it's a great it's a great thing for Carson Smith to be performing like this well. Uh, like you like you said earlier, um, our bullpen is like isn't like fully healthy, so that's why we have the uh, the likes of like Keith Henry and Matt Barnes um, in it. So as as uh, as the bullpen gets healthier, like Tyler Tyler Thornburg and um, well, I mean, question receiver Stephen Wright's coming back, but he's a question mark. Um, yeah. I just think as our bullpen gets healthier, uh, it'll be uh, Carson Smith needs to be like a more will be a part of that uh, intricate and hopefully stronger bullpen as as we get healthier. Yeah, definitely. I like I sometimes forget that Stephen Wright's coming back because like honestly he's kind of irrelevant to me. I'm I'm not a big believer in Stephen <laughs> Wright, so like it's yeah. like oh right he's coming back, but like I don't know how well he's gonna do. Like he had one good season in 2016. It was half a season. Um, I would like to see more consistency there, and like it's not like. You know, most when you're converting a starter to a reliever, um, you're like, wow, like you know, they their fastball and their stuff's gonna play up. But like, how does a knuckleball play up? Like, I I feel like that's it's harder to play up a knuckleball than it is uh, a fastball. Right. I mean, I think I think right. All he, like all he needs to do is just like throw it towards the dirt, and then hopefully you know Vasquez can catch it. But that's a whole different story. Yeah. Anyway, I mean the the lower the the lower his fat, what, what's the uh, what's the adage? If it's low, let it go. If it's like, low, let it go. If it's high, let it fly. Big fly, and that's what hitters have done to Stephen Wright lately. Exactly. <laughs> so I mean, if Stephen Wright can come back and throw it low and, and just fool batters, it'll be great. If yeah. not, well, I mean, I'm gonna cry. <laughs> I don't want you crying because I'm very sensitive, and if I find out you cry, I'm gonna cry too. It's just gonna be like everyone in Red Sox unfiltered needs like a mental health day because we're all just like in shambles. So that that would be fun. But um, okay, so Steve, like I just thought about my logic a little bit, and I was like, you know what? I could we could also think about it like this: if he's in the bullpen and he's throwing that knuckler. By the way, we weren't even supposed to talk about Stephen Wright, but now, now that we're here, we're just gonna talk about it. Um, if if he's if the batters are not going to have the ability to get accustomed to the knuckleball, so it's definitely going to be a change of pace, probably, because they're going to come in facing 95 miles per hour cheese, and then they're going to see like a knuckleball. It's going to definitely maybe throw off their timing. So, like, you could look at it from either angle that the knuckleball could be a good change of pace tool for the Red Sox to have out of their bullpen. So, just wanted to say that before people realized that my logic was flawed, because I realized. Oh, yeah, there's, there's definitely going to definitely be potential with the uh, right coming back, but. I think we're getting off track here a little bit. <laughs> yeah, we got off track a little bit, but I, I think that was important. I think that was relevant a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a bullpen. It's a bullpen. Uh, but, yeah, so now that we're – do you have any other comments on Carson Smith you want to talk about, or are you okay transitioning to the next part of this show? Uh, I'm okay – yeah, I'm okay transitioning. I just think he's playing his way um, into being a uh, mainstay in the bullpen. Yes, definitely. Definitely. So we're going to talk about uh, the base running errors, which um, has been a very prevalent issue for this team. It was an issue under Farrell, too. I mean, it's just been like a chronic issue with the Red Sox. I mean, Red Sox are playing great, but they suck at base running. So they have the most outs on bases in the league. I'm pretty sure that's that's still relevant. I'm pretty sure I saw it on Twitter the other day. So, yeah, 
if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. Um, but before today, th this is an accurate stat. Coming into today, the Red Sox ranked 24th in the league in BSR, which is a base running statistic uh, component in war, which is very encompassing of a lot of different base running uh, uh, parts to it. And they were at negative 2.8 on that. And, you know, it's it's weird to me that, and they, had, uh, they actually had some, bad base running in the series. They had some nice stolen bases today, but Brock Holt tried to steal third with a runner on first and first in the ninth inning of a 5-3 game, and he was, she stole third. Like, he was on second. He was already in scoring position, and I don't know why he was being so aggressive, and then obviously, JBJ naturally hits a single, and it there's no runner on base because Brock Holt has just gotten out and it cost him a run. And then the Christian Vasquez play on Saturday, I believe, he tried to steal third. They, I think they tried to double steal. It was kind of weird, but didn't work. It like kind of sucked away a lot of momentum for the team for a big inning. Um, and yeah, it's been, it's been prevalent all year. But it's weird to me that they are so bad at base running when they have like three incredible base runners and Xander Bogarts, Mookie Betts, and JBJ. Uh, Bogarts and Betts were top five in BSR, like coming in to, I mean, last year. I don't know where JBJ ranked on that list, but it was pretty high. Um, Jordan, what did you think about these base running errors? Um, I mean, I like the aggressiveness. Um, I get what Cora and the Red Sox are doing, but you can't, I mean, it's really, it's obviously it's not good to leave out, to run yourself into an out, and the more times you run yourself into a, run yourself into an out, that's just an inning killer. So when you leave, when you leave runners on base or when you, um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, when you, I guess just like get, when, when you run yourself into an out, it just kills the inning and then it, le and then, and it leaves, it leaves opportunity, um, on the field. And that's, that's obviously not good if you want the Red Sox to keep on winning. So, um, I think we're just kind of seeing, um, a little bit of being over aggressive, which, you know, it's not, it's not as, uh. I mean, I want, I want to say it's a good thing, but it's not. But, like, I'm glad to see the Red Sox being aggressive. I just think we're seeing um, a little bit too much, uh, too reckless, being too reckless, excuse me. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think they've had that problem for a couple of years, and I think it's, uh, at this point, like, I'm like, is it, like, an organizational philosophy, or is it just, like, the mindset of some of the players that they have to be aggressive? I mean, I guess it's got to be implemented by the team, but it's uh, it, it, it's been frustrating a little bit because they have given up a lot of free outs, but they still have three incredible base runners. My man Mookie Betts does everything well. Xander Bogarts is a great base runner and JBJ. Other than that, it's not very pretty. It's not, but, you know, we'll live. Uh, do you have anything else to say about the base running mistakes of the Boston Red Sox, Jordan? Um, you know what? Just uh, we need to stop running it, running ourselves into outs. That's yes. All. It, I mean, it, like I said, it hurts our offense, and then um, I mean, it, it's a it's a rally killer. Definitely, definitely. Alex yeah. Cora, if you're listening to this, stop running. At least somewhat. <laughs> Stop running as much. Yeah. Stop being so aggressive. Stop yeah, making outs on the base. Don't, don't, don't let Vasquez steal third, and then, you know, that's it. Never let Vasquez <laughs> steal a base, except if it's like a defensive indifference, and that's not even a stolen base. Like, I don't need more reasons to question why you guys extended them, but you know what, that's, that's, how, 
That's another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I promised that we would talk about this in the beginning of the show, and we've we've arrived at this point. So congratulations for us for making it this far. I mean, we've talked a lot, and you know we haven't messed up yet. So good for us. There's still time. Um, but Brian Johnson, um, who was a really feel good story for the Red Sox, started the year in the rotation, pitched well. Um, since he's transitioned to the bullpen, it's not been as pretty. Uh, so he's got a 663 RA and a 499 FIP, which is, I want to highlight, better than his ERA. A 432 X FIP, again, people don't really know what that is, but FIP is fielding independent pitching, so it strips out all batted ball luck. It's just home runs, strikeouts, and walks, and then XFIP just says, let's put home runs at, at like a league average mark because home runs can be fluky based on which stadium you play in and other compounding factors. So uh, if you take out Brian Johnson's like 189 home run per nine, which is unsustainable and ugly, then he's a better pitcher than people think. The quality of contact on him uh, has been pretty hard, but I also think he's been the byproduct of some bad luck. Uh, Jordan, what do you think about BJ? You know what? I, uh, I, I, it's, it's kind of like you said, it's a feel good story. Um, it's just kind of disappointing to see him struggle, uh, this much, like you said. Uh, I mean, his home, his home run uh, per fly ball rate is about like 16.7%, which it's kind of, it's a little high for me. Definitely. Um, and yeah, his, his quality of contact isn't great. I think he's giving up medium to hard contact more often than soft contact. Um, I don't know what the change in the bullpen or change to the bullpen did to his, uh, I guess, I guess, I mean, mentality. I don't know how to put it, yeah. uh, but I, I don't know how, he, I don't know how he feels about being put in the bullpen, but I mean, it's just, it's not working out. And then, like I said, um, it's actually, it goes back to my point about, uh, Carson Smith being a mainstay in the bullpen. But Johnson could be there. Could there could be like some adjustments for uh, like to Johnson when like the bullpen gets uh, all the way healthy again. Yeah. So I mean, it's not looking good for Johnson. But I mean, we're just going to see what what happens when Thornburg and uh, yes, when Thornburg comes back. Definitely. Um, and Stephen Wright. We, we you talked about that earlier. We did. We had this right, discussion. Yeah. About that. <laughs> Uh, in, in terms of BJ, and I'm going to call him BJ now because we're friends. Just kidding, we're not. But he seems like a cool dude. I would like to be friends with him. Um, so the thing about Brian Johnson is he the last four, four of his last five appearances, I think, he's given up runs, um, and that's not good. He had one appearance where he just shut the – I think it was the Yankees. He didn't allow a run to them. But other than that, he's been getting shelled um, every time he's in there. It's like, uh-oh, run alert. But the thing about Brian Johnson is, like, I feel like his ERA is not really reflective of his true talent. Uh, I think his FIP is more indicative of what kind of guy you have. I think he's he can be like a four ERA pitcher and like a completely like take out random variants, strip it out of baseball. Like this guy is not that bad. And I I personally was of the belief that when he got into the bullpen, his stuff would play up because his fastball has like always been like you know a command pitch. Like he does not he doesn't blow you away with it. I thought his fastball velocity going like faster would allow him to be a better pitcher he could work off his fastball more but it hasn't really happened yet I'm still thinking that maybe it can um Jordan with Tyler Thornburg potentially coming back knowing that Brian Johnson is out of options so if you uh 
DFA him, or if you send send him for assignment, he's going to have to be DFA'd, and he probably will be picked up from another team, put on waivers. Uh, would you consider sending Brian Johnson down? Would you risk that move? Uh, what would you do with BJ? Man, um, tough question. Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't I don't know what this says about me, but yeah, if if Thornburg comes back in the Reds, um. I mean, I would I would send him down. Um, I think uh, I mean I mean I think we know what we're getting in Thornburg, um, and I mean Carson Smith is is uh, playing like playing well. Um, I just think we we need like all the I mean everybody needs to, needs to perform well, and I mean if Brian Johnson isn't, isn't performing well, then unfortunately that's just like the part of the part of the game that. That sucks to be, like, to be quite honest. So, I mean, it'll be it'll be sad it'll be sad to see that happen. But if it happens, I think unfortunately we'll all, we'll all understand. I yeah. don't know. I hope that's a, like a nice but like objective answer. That was a nice and objective answer. I thought you did a wonderful job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you have to separate the person from a player in this situation. And like Thornburg creates a difficult situation for the Red Sox about what to do with their bullpen. Like Brian Johnson and Heath Hembry are probably the top two options to get sent down and both of them are out of options so you're probably going to lose them um Hector Velasquez is the other option but you know he because he does have options but he's just pitched so well that it's like uh do you want to reward a guy and you know keep him up even though he does have options or do you want to like play uh it almost strategically because Johnson and Hembry do not have options and they will probably get picked up by another team so that's uh that's like the Red Sox organization to deal with that's not our problem we just think about it we don't actually have to do it so I'm relieved at that but yeah it's a tough situation for the Red Sox um I mean it's not a bad situation because you know Tyler Thornburg's good but it's a tough situation um right Last subject before this podcast episode ends. Um, it's going to be about Dustin Pedroia. And I feel like this is the perfect way to end it. Uh, you know, he said to join the Paul Sox early this week. And in my notes, I have an exclamation. I have like five exclamation points after that. Because it's exciting. Like, I, I have my Pedroia jersey on right now. I'm ready to go. You can't see it, obviously, but it's there. I'm ready to go. I'm excited for him to return, even though, like, you know, he's been had his health struggles uh, over the cap. Uh, over the course of a couple of years, and he's not even been as effective on the field. Um, so, what what does what does this mean for Boston, Jordan? What does Pedroia coming back mean, and what what will they ultimately do um, to create a roster spot for him? Um. Well, what does this mean for Boston? Like, it's great for Boston. I mean, P is coming back. He's he's the leader of the club, and um. I mean, you know what you're getting, you know, offensively, you know what you're getting with him. Uh, defensively, he's obviously a better choice than uh, Nunez. And, not hard to do, I'd like to um, point out. What's up? I said it's not hard to be a better defensive choice than Nunez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not hard. But, uh, I mean, I, I think it'll do a lot better. I mean, I think it'll feel a lot better with, uh, with Pedroia around just because, like, you know, I believe he was back. I feel like it'll, it'll have an effect on the club. And it'll just, like, when he comes back to the club all the way, um, I feel like it'll be a, a really, opti- really optimistic for the Red Sox to, like, become healthier again. I yeah. think health is a, uh, 
is what we're dealing with right now, especially with these like little freak injuries that we've had with both hamstring and uh, bets like bets is like shoulder contusion. Mm-hmm. I think health has been like a huge factor in kind of shuffling around uh, the lineup and like defensive positioning. So once Pedroia comes back and once Thornbird comes back, it'll I feel like the club will feel a lot better about itself. Definitely. Yeah, all clubs have to deal with injuries, unfortunately. It sucks, but it's part of the game. And the Red Sox have not been at full strength at second base or in the bullpen or even in the rotation for a while. Um, Pomeranz, remember, was out for a little bit in the beginning of the season. As for Eduardo Rodriguez, I actually, Erod, like, missed, like, a start. It wasn't that big of a deal. But, yeah, David Price had to miss a start. He came out of one, too. So, like, the there's always going to be health issues. But in terms of Dustin Bedroya's uh, return, I think he's a considerable upgrade over Nunez, especially when Nunez isn't hitting because Nunez doesn't play defense. So if Nunez is not providing the second half value that he did with the Red Sox last season, then it's like, whoa, okay, you will be used as a versatile uh, spot for on the bench for the Red Sox. And then Brock Holt will probably get some less playing time as well in this scenario. I mean, depth is not a bad thing. I mean, I'm all for it. Um, the guy who I see getting displaced, I mean, obviously, like, as this progresses and as his rehab um, all progresses, we're going to, f- this is going to become more of a pressing issue because someone could get injured between now and then, and you know what? It, it definitely could happen. It's definitely realistic and pl- plausible to think that that could uh, present itself. But um, as of now, if Pedroia was coming back today, I think it would uh, probably have Blake Swihart potentially on the outs. Like, I think that Pedroia's return, if everyone were to stay healthy, uh, it would force them to make a situation, or make a, make a, they would have to make a decision with Swihart and what to do with him. Do they trade him? Do they get rid of Sandy Leone? What's the situation there? And I feel like one of those two would have to ultimately get displaced. And I would honestly probably see it being Swihart unless someone else gets injured. So, yeah, happy Pedroia's back. Um, someone might have to get, uh, unfortunately, displaced, though. So that actually will do it for this episode. Episode 5, unless you have anything to add about Pedroia. Yeah, you know what? I mean, it's great to have PD back. Otherwise, um, you know, I, I have not not much to say. Okay. You know, it's I, I've had a lot of fun, as always. Like, I love doing this. This is a great time. I'm talking, and hopefully people are listening. Uh, but, yeah, the Red Sox picked up two or three. We take on the Oakland, Oakland Athletics. That's our next series. Um, and it will be a redemption series because they took two of three from us um, back in. You, you were at a couple of these games, right, in Oakland? Yeah, I was, I was actually um, I was at the opener where uh, – you know, Hector Velasquez, I think, well, I think, I think didn't he throw three, but anyway, yeah. uh, it was a, it was like home run derby. Even JBJ got in, yeah. got in the home run that day. My boy, and JBJ. Then, Mitch, Mitch, yeah, JBJ got one. Um, and then, uh, Mitch M. You know, Mitch Moore, yeah, Mitchy Moore, uh, Mitchy two bags or four bags that night. Um, <laughs> Hit a great that, was, that was exciting to see. Yeah. So, yeah, the Red Sox got no hit by them. They took two out of three from the Red Sox. So, redemption time in Fenway Park. I'm ready to see it. I hope you guys are too. I mean, I'm not guaranteeing it's going to happen because, you know, baseball's a fickle bitch. But let's go, Red Sox. Let's go see it. I've had a blast, guys. We will catch you next week. We are actually looking to do two episodes a week from now on, which is exciting because you get to listen to us hopefully talk about um, meaningful stuff about your team. So, yeah. 
that'll do it for today's episode, guys. Have a great one, and as always, go Red Sox.